St. Warburg's Derby. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Andy, I'm the Associate Minister here, and if you're new here this morning, just so good to see you. A few weeks ago, I was walking along, I think I was picking my daughter up from, or dropping off at school, and I was walking along, I just saw this massive billboard in front of me with this poster on it. Um, I don't know if you've seen that at all, if you've seen that poster, if you can't see it at the back, it's an advert for LucasAid, um, and it shows a young muscular guy drinking a bottle of LucasAid, standing over somebody that he's defeated, looking a little bit like our very own Matt Lewis, but with darker hair. But I think it's meant to be Goliath. Now, why was I, I was surprised to see this. And the reason I was surprised, because I think LucasAid overestimated people's biblical literacy. I think they overestimated how many people would connect that picture to the story of David and Goliath. But if people know anything about David, they probably may know that he he killed Goliath, but I reckon a lot of people wouldn't connect that. But we're going to look at kind of an overview of the story. We're going to look at some different bits of the story of King David. But you may be thinking, if you're new or or just to rejog your memory, where does this story about David come from? Where does it come in the big story of God? Well, at the beginning, we've got creation. God creates the world. We've got that bit where humanity fall away from God. And then we've got the bit where God chooses for himself the people of Israel. And you've got people like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Joseph. All those guys come come into that story. And you then got the judges and you've got people like Deborah and Samson and Gideon. And then we reach the book of 1 Samuel. And Samuel is a prophet and he's a judge and he kind of oversees Israel. And the problem with Israel is that sometimes they're well up for it. They're like us when we walk into church and we're up for praising God and worshipping. And yet other times they're like us when we're out on a Friday night and we forget who Jesus is and we look more like the people around us than the God that we worship. And Israel, they go up and down and up and down. And you see, eventually they decide that they want a king. And these days, kings and queens around Europe usually, they help sell glossy magazines, they help sell tabloid newspapers, and we quite enjoy a royal wedding, a lot of us. But actually, they don't exercise a lot of power. But in the days of Israel, kings were the top of the tree. Kings made the nations feel and look secure and strong. But Israel just had a prophet. They don't have a king, they just got a prophet. And I think Israel get a big case of FOMO, a fear of missing out. Because they look around them and all the other nations have got kings. So they go to their prophet Samuel and they say to him, You are old, which, by the way, is not a great way to start a conversation with somebody that you're trying to get something from. They say to him, you are old and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. And so it seems that reluctantly God grants them what they desire. And Samuel anoints a man called Saul as king. Now, just to re-kind of rejog your memories. This is not Saul who becomes Paul in the New Testament. This is Saul, King Saul, before Jesus, completely unrelated to Paul. And it starts really well for Saul. He starts as a great guy, but like the nation before him, things begin to go downhill. 
Now, a few years ago, Rachel and I were leading a 20s and 30s group, and we did a short series, and we imaginatively named the series The Guy Who Went Bad. It's not very creative, but it kind of captured what was going on. And you see, this is the tragic story of Saul. It comes to a place where God says, I regret that I made Saul king, for he's turned his back from following me and has not carried out my commandments. So Saul starts great, but he, things go wrong. <clears throat> Many of us love, don't we, a, a rags-to-riches tale. We love a story of somebody starts off at the bottom and they work their way to the top. And Saul's was a bit like that. But we also enjoy a riches-to-rags tale. I don't know if any of you watched Breaking Bad. Quite a, a horrific series in some ways. And this about this man who starts off like a normal guy and basically his descent into depravity. He starts off just a regular guy and by the end of the series, I remember the second one to the end, I was weeping. It's just horrendous what happens. And King Saul ends up on a similar spiral downwards. And so what happens is God chooses another king. Samuel goes and he anoints David. Not many people know about that. Can you imagine that would be pretty dangerous to go and be anointed as king if there's already a king in charge? David then he goes and he defeats Goliath like Lucas they talk about and then he defeats their enemies the Philistines and our reading this morning comes from after this victory and so if you've got a Bible this morning or a Bible app I'd encourage you to turn to 1 Samuel 18 don't be embarrassed if you need to use the contents Um, sometimes that happens and if you don't have a Bible and you don't have one at home, then please come and tell us because we believe this is the most important book in the world and we believe that reading it will change your life. So come and speak to me after so you don't have one. But it will appear on the screens behind me. 1 Samuel 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan, who was Saul's son, became one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him And he did not let him return home to his family. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And as they danced, they sang. I won't sing it. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But with me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he held it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops to their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success. 
because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them on their campaigns. So to summarize it, David won a victory. Jonathan, the king's son, develops a close friendship with David. Saul sends David on many missions and David is successful. Jonathan, the troops and the ladies love David. Sorry, yeah, love David. And then Saul gets really upset and tries to attack David. Yet David continues to be successful, not because of the Lucasade, but because of the Lord. Let's dig in a little bit. The people loved David. So although Jonathan was an heir to the throne, he accepts David as an equal and uh, as, as, his, as his equal. And he then makes a covenant, which is a kind of a legal, special, relational promise. It's more than just a piece of paper. It's more than a verbal agreement. The closest thing we have to it in our culture is marriage. And then he gives him his robe and his tunic, his sword, his bow, his belt. And in doing this, Jonathan basically transfers the right of the throne to David. Imagine that you're the heir to the throne. By doing this, all the things he would need to lead, he gives to David. One commentator tells us this is as much a political statement as it is a statement of friendship, although it is that, but it's both. Now, I don't know, maybe Jonathan could see God's spirit on David. Maybe Jonathan had heard rumors about David being anointed as king. We don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us. But for some reason, Jonathan looks to David. And in our culture, we may be tempted to read something else into the story. But I think that says more about our culture and where we are than it does about the biblical concept of relationships in the Middle East. So why did people love David? It wasn't because of the Lucasade. It was because the Lord was with him. What else do we find out about David? We find out that David won battles. Now, for those of us in our culture now, the idea of God fighting a battle, the idea of God being on somebody's side rings alarm bells. We think, oh my goodness, fundamentalist, danger, terrorism. But actually, in the Old Testament, the way that you knew whose God was stronger was it was the God that won the battles. The God that won the war. So if you think through, if you know any of the stories of the Old Testament, if you think of Pharaoh and Yahweh, Pharaoh and God... God shows he's stronger because he wins. If you think of the story of Joshua going into the land, lots of battles, what happens? We know that God is stronger because Joshua wins. If you think of the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, how do you know it's God is real? It's the God who wins the kind of the big pyromaniac contest. So why did David win? It wasn't because of the Lucasade, it was because the Lord was with him. We also see that David eluded Saul, it says. Unsurprisingly, Saul becomes incredibly jealous. And you get this slightly challenging verse where it says that God sends an evil spirit to David on Saul. Now, what's going on there? Because we need to think about that. Well, firstly, in the Old Testament, evil spirits are different to the new. We don't, they're kind of seen as a little bit different. We don't have quite the same idea of possession. So that's one thing we need to think about. Another thing we need to think about is the word evil can also be just translated bad. And what do we see in Saul? We see a bad temper. Maybe it's possession, but there's something manifests itself as an angry temper. And we also need to recognize that particularly for the Israelites, 
they saw and we see God as totally sovereign. God rules from on high. Nothing happens without God's say-so. And so ultimately, God is in control. Now, we still need to wrestle a bit with that verse, but it's not something we can just either throw out and go, well, we don't like that, or go, oh my goodness, God's got something evil going on. Okay, so hopefully that's a little bit helpful. And then we get to this bit, and I, I can't help but smile when I read this, when Saul goes, they've credited David with tens of thousands, but with me, only thousands. I get this image of a child in the school playground going, it's not fair. You know, you just can imagine King Saul. Imagine he's like a whingy child. But he looks and he sees that David is getting all this adoration. David is winning the battles and the people are loving it and they recognize that. But why did David escape Saul? It wasn't because of the Lucasite. It was because of the Lord. And then we get to the crux of today's story. The Lord was with David, but had departed Saul. You see, both of them are very similar. Their stories are quite similar. Both are young when we first meet them. Both are described as handsome. Both didn't grow up as royalty. Both had God choose them. Both had Samuel anoint them with oil. And both had the Spirit of God descend upon them. And before Jesus died, was resurrected, and the Holy Spirit was sent in the festival of Pentecost, God's Spirit was about particular people at particular times for particular purposes. And so both of them had God's Spirit for their role as king. But actually what we see in this verse is God removing that anointing off of Saul and he transfers it onto David as if to say, Saul, you're not going to be king any longer. I've departed from you, but I am now picking David as my future king. And yet, the funny thing about David is if you look at his life and if you read more of his story, David doesn't get it right all the time. David screws up all over the place. The story goes on and he commits adultery and then he kills the guy's wife and it's just horrendous. Like, David does not get stuff right. But one thing David does do, for all of his faults, David never looked to other gods. For all of his faults, David never looked to other gods. And so for David, it wasn't the Lucasate. It was the Lord. Now I may be wrong, but I suspect none of us are sitting here this morning thinking that this stuff is going to bring us success in our families, or our workplaces, or with our friends, or with our studies. I mean, I could be wrong. If, if you are thinking that, if you, if, you, if you saw the advert and you think, right, that's, that's the key, then I just want to break that off you this morning. That is not what's going on. But actually, I reckon for most of us, there will be other things that we may run to instead of the Lord to bring us success, or stillness, or strength. For some of us, it may be our own intellectual ability. Oh, do you know what? I can figure this out on my own. For some of us, it may be our own physical strength or athletic ability. For some of us, it may be our charm and our wit. I was just a little bit depressed, actually, last week that um, when I've done bear after church, I've had six to eight people. So I messaged last week at Focus, what, how many people have gone to bear, well, how did it go? And the pharaohs were like, yeah, 13 people came. And I said, you know, this is, this is great. You've got a double anointing on you. And they said, no, it's just our charm, Andy. Um, I don't know. But 
the fact is, for many of us, we can end up relying on things that are not the Lord to get us through. And I just want to challenge us this morning. What are you likely to rely on? Where are you likely to go other than God for stillness or success or strength? Because for us, every one of us who follow Jesus, actually, God's Spirit is available. And do you know what? There's another life that we can compare to King David, not just King Saul. There was another person who was young, even perhaps before he was born, that God chose. There was another man who grew up not as royalty, but was an heir to the throne. There was another person that was anointed. In fact, he was known as the anointed one. There was another person for whom the Spirit of God fell upon in power. There was another person that, like David, won a victory for his people that they didn't have to pay for, and they got the victory instead. There was another person that was coming who reigns over God's people. And yet, unlike King David, he never failed his father. He was truth itself. He loved women from a place of purity. And he never abused his power, but he served people from a place of love. Jesus is the true and better David. Jesus is the one who will reign on King David's throne forever. Jesus is the one who can bring healings to hearts and to nations. And Jesus is the one who God's big story revolves around. David points forward to Jesus. And so for us here this morning. We know that it's not about this stuff. But actually, it's not about the other stuff that we go to as well. And for us, because of the one who the story revolves around, God's Spirit is available to us. Matt spoke in the worship, didn't he? Talk about um, unforced rhythms of grace. That's available to us because of the cross and the Spirit. 